Hey, I'm David, and you're listening to The Half Court Hustle, a podcast where I bring you news, recaps, and analysis for all of the biggest NBA games. Now, the funny thing about the basketball world is just how quickly it moves. We're barely over two weeks out from the NBA Finals, and already people are consumed with next season. Every year, a new batch of college talent enters the league, and scouts drive themselves crazy trying to predict who's going to flame out and who's going to be the next superstar. In this episode, I'm going to try and answer that exact question by going through the top five draft picks. By the end of this episode, you'll know who exactly to keep your eye on in terms of the biggest young talent in the league. Enjoy. With the fifth pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. All right, so starting with the number five overall pick, Darius Garland, who was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's a point guard coming out of Vanderbilt College. Uh, he's six foot two with a six five wingspan and comes in on the scales at just under 80 kilos or 175 pounds. He's a point guard with electrical playmaking abilities and his ball handling skills and potential passing abilities has caught many an eye across the league. But after a season-ending knee injury, are there still more questions than answers when it comes to his game? Now, in terms of Garland's strengths, his dribbling ability is probably the best among all guards in this draft class. His off-the-dribble shooting and excellent handles makes him one of the best shot creators in the draft. And these are tools which are really handy in today's NBA games where teams are focused on pace and space. Garland has shown definite flashes of potential in terms of his passing abilities. So he's able to squeeze difficult passes between defenders and create opportunities for his teammates. That said, when you look at the statistics, his assist to turnover ratio at Vanderbilt was terrible, terrible. He had many more turnovers than he did assists, which is a little bit worrying, although that comes with the asterisk that he tore his meniscus about four games into the season. So it's not a massive sample size, but when you're drafting a point guard who has a negative assist to turnover ratio, there are questions to be asked. Garland is a great shooter. He's very versatile and he's very accurate. Although again, it's a small sample size. He shot the three-pointer incredibly well, hitting them at a blistering 48% rate. He's versatile, meaning that he can shoot in most situations you can think of. He's a threat both catching the ball and shooting off the dribble, and also coming off ball screens and moving away from the ball. This means that he should be able to fit into a variety of offensive schemes, even where he's not the primary ball handler. Now, Garland is not the most physically imposing guard. He isn't the tallest, he's not the biggest, and he's not the strongest. His slender frame means he's going to struggle a little bit at the pro level because, of course, at the NBA level, the defenders get bigger and faster and longer and more athletic. Uh, think about the Eric Bledsoe's or the Chris Paul's or the John Wall's of this world. Um, those are the kind of players that might give Darius Garland a little bit of trouble on the offensive end of the floor. Now, as a defender, Garland tends to 
he's not the best on-ball defender and he tends to gamble for steals. Over the course of his college career, Garland had the tendency to try and do a little bit too much with the ball. He was definitely guilty of trying to make a really flashy pass or like try and split a, a double team where you really shouldn't be trying to split a double team and just losing the ball in the process. And it led to a lot of unnecessary turnovers. And look, you can, you can write some of this off to just youthful exuberance. You know, for the football fans out there, just, just think of a, a young Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United. Like, you'll expect that he'll become a little bit more disciplined as his career goes on. So to recap, Darius Garland, he is a prospect with really good upside. He is by far and away the best ball handler in the draft. He's got a deadly three-point shot off the dribble and also on the catch. And he's shown flashes of being a good passer, even though the statistics haven't quite been there. He's definitely got the potential to be an all-star in this league. And it just goes without saying that a player with his level of offensive uh, versatility is going to be valuable in today's game. That said, there are still a lot of question marks floating over Garland. His unfortunate season-ending injury means that scouts have only had a limited opportunity to really see what his game is about. His decision-making on the ball can be poor, and he's probably going to be a liability on the defensive end of the floor. He's not the best athlete, and he's likely going to be exposed on that end by some of the more physical guards in the league. Still, I see a a bright future for this kid, and I think it's a solid pickup by Cleveland. With the fourth pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select DeAndre Hunter from the University of Virginia. All right, moving on to pick number four in the draft, we have DeAndre Hunter. The NCAA championship winning small forward out of Virginia. He stands at six foot eight with a seven foot two wingspan and weighs in at just over 100 kilos or 222 pounds to be exact. He was drafted by the LA Lakers, but they traded him to the Atlanta Hawks. How will this NCAA championship winning wingman contribute to the potential heavy Atlanta Hawks roster? Hunter is a great, overall, versatile defender. In terms of the fundamentals, moving your feet, good positional basketball, communicating with your teammates, Hunter's probably the best defensive player in this draft. He's very impactful on the defensive end of the floor and is super versatile. He can guard multiple positions. Today's NBA game, in terms of defensive schemes, is very focused on switching. And so for somebody who is able to guard point guards and power forwards and small forwards, that's really valuable to an NBA team. In the NCAA championship game against Texas Tech, he matched up against Jarrett Culver, who was drafted at number six and is another top prospect in the draft. And Hunter did a stellar job of keeping Culver from penetrating, running the lane. And as I was watching the game, he would funnel Culver towards uh, his centre, who would be there to block the shot. And that showed me that Hunter is already very smart in terms of his defensive positioning and is a good teammate in terms of being aware 
of where the defensive help is going to come from. And if you already have that level of defensive IQ now, that definitely bodes well for the future. At the moment, he's been garnering comparisons to Luo Deng. And for those of you that remember, Luo Deng, who used to play for the Chicago Bulls, um, and who's from London, actually. Uh, he was at one point one of the best perimeter defense, uh, you know, one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. So to be drawing comparisons to him at this stage is pretty positive. Hunter also has impressive three-point shooting ability. He shot 48% from the three-point line and he showcased that shooting ability in the championship game in the biggest play with about, must have been about 10 or 15 seconds to go. He hits a game-tying three to send the game into overtime, which Virginia then went on to, to win. So he's definitely shown that he has he has some clutch ability. He has some clutch ability for sure. He's going to be quite useful in sort of pick and pop situations where the big man sets a screen at the top of the key and then just fades away for uh, a little shot either from the three-point line or from mid-range. Now, Offensively, Hunter isn't the greatest playmaker. He's shown the ability to create a little bit of space for his shot. In the championship game, there are a number of possessions where he would get the ball on the right block and either finish with like a nice little jump hook or make a good pass to teammates. So he's got a solid head on his shoulders and does tend to make good possessions with the ball. That said, his handles do look a little bit shaky at times. He's not the best dribbler. And he had more than his fair share of turnovers where sometimes he would get trapped with a double team or sometimes just dribble the ball off of his foot. He can be a little bit predictable when it comes to offense because his handles aren't the best. He'll often rely on one dribble uh, pull-up shots, which can make the defender's life a lot easier when you know that he's not going to be able to blow by you. So that will make his offensive versatility a lot more limited. He doesn't have the quickest shot release. And because he, his release isn't very fast, he's going to find it difficult to put up three-pointers at a very high volume. Look, I am a sucker when it comes to players who are committed to defending and who have good defensive fundamentals. And I really like what I saw from DeAndre Hunter in the uh, championship game against Texas. He has solid fundamentals. He moves his feet well. And he's very smart defensively. He's not a very flashy player at all. I can't see him being a walking highlight reel like some of the other players on this list. But he's going to be a very good 3 and D type player, meaning somebody who is just able to hit three pointers and defend really well. And that's a valuable role for a team in today's game. I'm seeing him as a Luo Deng slash Robert Covington type player. And when you match him alongside Trey Young and Cam Reddish in Atlanta, that team has got a very bright future, let me tell you. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett from Toronto and Duke University. Moving into the top three, we have RJ Barrett. And let me tell you, he's definitely one of the more talked about players on this list. Shooting guard, 
slash more forward coming out of that star-studded Duke team. He comes in at six foot seven with a six foot ten wingspan, weighing two hundred and two pounds or ninety-two kilos. Now, this guy, being a Toronto native, RJ Barrett is definitely part of Canadian basketball royalty. His dad is the general manager of Team Canada. And his godfather is Steve Nash. So it's clear that basketball is in this guy's veins. But does that mean that he'll be a superstar at the NBA level? Now, Barrett's most obvious positive is that he is a natural-born scorer. RJ dropped 23 points a game in his one year at Duke and was a primary scorer on what was a team brimming with offensive talent. He's a dangerous finisher at the rim and is excellent at driving to the basket with his left hand. And once he puts his head down and turns the corner, he's very difficult to stop. At six foot seven, Barrett is very tall for his position and he uses that size well. Uh, he's an aggressive attacker at the rim and those long strides means that he is often able to beat defenders on the way to the hoop. When this guy is going at full speed, all he has to do is give his defender a quick one-two step and a little hop. And that means that his guy is often left in the dust. He reminds me a little bit of Giannis Antetokounmpo, just in the way that he's just able to use his length to beat uh, players off the dribble. Uh, I watched Duke play Michigan State in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament earlier this year. And I saw a lot of impressive finishes with that left hand. Like, he's really good at making his way to the basket. I can see why he was able to score at the level that he did. He's very good at changing pace to throw defenders off. He's got, like, this sort of herky-jerky motion, which means that, you know, you're not able to always predict what direction he's going to move in. And he is able to finish through contact. He definitely has potential to live at the free throw line. He's, he's adept at drawing fouls and that is going to serve him very well at the next level. Barrett is a comfortable shooter in the mid-range. So not a distance bomber and we're going to get onto that in a, in a moment. But he's definitely comfortable in the mid-range. And he was good enough at that level that defenders had to honour him when he uh, was inside the three-point line. Barrett has definite playmaking ability. There were times where he definitely would seem to be channeling his godfather, Steve Nash. Uh, he had some nifty moments where he would sort of drive the lane, uh, spin around and then fire an accurate pass to a shooter in the corner. So, you know, I can definitely see him being able to, if you put shooters around him, uh, get quite a few assists at an NBA level. Although he isn't the most consistent defender, Barrett does have the physical tools needed to develop into a versatile defensive player who can play multiple positions. When he's engaged, he can be a good on-board defender who can bother players with those long arms of his. Barrett is very reliant on that left hand though, and he'll often go to great lengths to avoid using his right hands. This isn't always a deal breaker. I mean, one just needs to look at James Harden. Uh, but in this instance, it does limit his offensive versatility. There are times where Barrett will be driving right and where it would make more sense to finish with his right hand. But because he is so keen to use his left, he switches to his left hand and that makes the shot a lot more difficult than it needs to be. And there were a couple of times in the Michigan State game that I watched where he got blocked because of it. It's going to be a problem against 
NBA level defenders because all they need to do is just funnel him right, just sit on that left hand, force him right. And that's going to be an issue if he's not able to develop a good right hand finish. Now, I mentioned Barrett's playmaking earlier and he does definitely have the potential to be a very good passer, but sometimes he can develop tunnel vision. He's definitely a shoot first player. He doesn't always look to pass and sometimes he can miss open teammates when he's not looking to pass. He's a definite ball dominant scorer and he doesn't seem to be that engaged when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And that's going to be an issue moving on to the next level if he's not necessarily getting the keys to to run the offense. His shot selection can be questionable. In the game that I watched against Michigan State, there are a couple of possessions where he would just chuck up a three with well over 20 seconds left on the clock. And some of that shot selection will have contributed to his very bad shooting percentages, especially from the three-point range where he shot just over 30%, which is not fantastic. Slightly more worrying is his free throw shooting ability. He only shot 66% from the foul line and that lack of shooting touch compounded by the lack of ability to really use that right hand means that Barrett's going to be in a tough spot when teams are not letting him, uh, when teams take away that driving lane to his left. Barrett has definitely been an inconsistent defender during his time at Duke. He is often prone to falling asleep and can appear disengaged on the defensive end of the floor. There are a couple of times in the Michigan State game where his man would sort of get three and he was late going to close out. His effort varies at times and sometimes he gets caught on ball screens and doesn't really fight over them. You do wonder what kind of potential he does have when he is fully engaged on the defensive end of the floor. And I definitely get the sense that he can develop into a very good defensive player if he wants to. But that if he wants to is a pretty big if. Not a lot of NBA players enjoy playing defense. And it, it I think it's something that you need to love if you're going to uh, develop on that end of the floor. But we'll, we'll see how he turns out. Barrett's elite level scoring production on a team that was already filled with future stars was enough to secure him a top three draft position. He's got fantastic potential. And if he can improve his shooting touch and develop into a consistent onboard defender, you can see definite star potential here. Those are big ifs though. Personally, I'm not 100% convinced that RJ will make huge waves at their next level. His poor outside shooting and his reliance on his left hand will make it too simple for NBA level defenders to counter his scoring ability. I might be wrong though, so look, watch this space. With the second pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Ja Moran from Murray State University. Moving on to pick number two, we have Ja Morant, who is a point guard coming out of Murray State. He was picked by the Memphis Grizzlies. He stands at six foot three with a six foot seven wingspan, weighing in at just over 90 kilos or 175 pounds. Now, this guy is probably the most explosive guard in the entire draft. 
He sparkles when he's on screen uh, with his explosive athleticism, uh, jaw-dropping dunks. And when you add his incredible playmaking ability, he is an incredible prospect. How much of an impact will he make at the pro level? Moran is already an NBA-level passer with the ability to thread the needle with both his left and right hand. He's a gifted athlete who excels in the open floor and he's able to use his really impressive court vision to find a big man that's streaking to the hoop or just leap up for an explosive dunk. He's probably the most highlight-friendly player in this draft who isn't named Zion Williamson. His finishing ability is really impressive and he's able to hit the rim with really acrobatic layups from all kinds of angles, even when he's contested by a big man. He's by far and away the best passer in this draft and his playmaking ability combined by his raw speed will make him a dazzling prospect in today's NBA offense for teams that are looking to push the pace. Morant's assist numbers are dizzying. He's the first NCAA player to average 20 points and 10 assists in 27 years. And he's already drawing comparisons to, to Ray John Rondo, which should tell you a lot about his passing skills. His shooting touch isn't the best. His form could be improved because he has a low and slow release. He shot well from the free throw line though, so there is potential for improvement. Like Darius Garland, who we mentioned earlier, uh, Ja Morant isn't the biggest point guard. He's not the biggest guy, and he's going to have his work cut out for him against the more physical guys in the NBA. Uh, defensively, his quickness can get him some steals, although he's not the best on-ball defender, and sometimes he looks a bit disengaged when he's on the floor. Like, I've seen a couple of highlights, and... It can be almost embarrassingly bad just how little effort he is uh, giving on the defensive end of the floor. Now, look, Murray State was not the best team in the world and he was carrying a lot of offensive burden. Um, so it's difficult to know just how much of the lack of defensive effort is down to, well, just not being interested and how much of that is just how much he was expected to do on the offensive end of the floor. His lack of size means that he gets trapped on screens and he's likely to be overpowered by the stronger guys in the NBA. His turnover rate at Murray State was very high, which is to be expected uh, when you have a player that, one, dominates the ball as much as he did at Murray State, and two, just has like a really creative, high-risk, high-reward style of play. So a lot of that is to be expected. But that said, he can be a bit careless with the ball. And it'll be very interesting to see whether he can fit into an offensive scheme where he isn't dominating the ball as much as he did in Murray State. His schedule at Murray State wasn't that difficult because, you know, they're not a Michigan, they're not a Kentucky, they're not a Duke. He wasn't playing against the most elite level competition for most of his college career. But that said, in the later games of the NCAA tournament, where he was playing against better teams, he still put up some very good numbers. So we'll see how that comes to bear when he gets into the league. Ja Morant is one of, if not the most tantalizing prospect outside of Zion Williamson. 
His athleticism combined with his creative passing and ball handling abilities is really something to behold. He's already drawing Trey Young and De'Aaron Fox comparisons, which suggests that Morant will be able to contribute to an NBA level offense right away. Morant's defensive ability is not NBA level and his turnover rate is a little bit of a question mark. That said, this guy is just really exciting to watch and it will be very interesting to see just how much of an impact he can have at the next level. With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. Finally, the number one pick of the NBA draft, Zion Williamson. Small forward slash power forward coming out of Duke University. This guy stands at 6'7 with a 6'10 wingspan at a staggering 130 kilos or 285 pounds. Forget the NBA, this guy could have been an offensive lineman in the NFL. This guy should be playing against Khalil Mack for the Bears or something. Like This guy is just massive. And by looks alone, you can understand why this guy is the most talked about draft prospect this side of LeBron James. The phrase man amongst boys is a little bit played out, but I think here it's it's apt. It's apt. Uh, given Zion's heavy set muscular frames. There are signs where he just looks like twice as wide as everybody around him. He really wouldn't look out of place, you know, as an NFL rusher. Um, and that's before you get to his freaky athleticism. As I said before, I watched Duke's exit from the NCAA tournament against Michigan State and became pretty clear pretty quickly why this guy's created such a buzz. He can jump higher than anybody else on the floor. And he's got such a quick and explosive first step that often defenders just can't keep in front of him. Uh, that kind of athleticism is, it, it reminds me a lot of when Blake Griffin first came into the league and, you know, bit of a throwback that dunk contest where he jumped over a car and everybody was like wow oh my gosh have we ever seen such an athlete in the league before well this is that level and then when you add that athleticism and that natural power to his immense size the guy just seems superhuman and to those of you who think I'm overdoing it like let's put this into to context LeBron James when he came into the league in 2003 as an 18-year-old, weighed 245 pounds. He was 20 kilos lighter than Zion is now. For somebody who's that big, it almost seems impossible that he's able to move that quick and jump that high. Of course, with, with carrying that size, there are questions about longevity, especially for somebody who is an above-the-rim player like Zion. Carrying all of that weight around seems like it might be an issue. It, it, it seems like a, a knee blowout waiting to happen. And, you know, Zion has been injured in, in the past and he's had injuries throughout his college career. On the offensive end of the floor, Zion uses his size to bully his way to the hoop, 
In the game that I watched against Michigan State, you'd often see Zion receive the ball at the elbow and he'd just put his head down and drive in a straight line to the hoop. If the help defenders doesn't arrive on time, that's the end of the story. Like there doesn't seem to be anyone, especially at the college level, there was just nobody that was able to guard him one-on-one. And even if you brought a second defender over to help, Zion is able to absorb contact and finish with a nice little touch off the glass. We'll see just how much more of an impact this will make at the NBA level, because as I've said several times, uh, defenders do tend to be bigger and more athletic. But even so, for somebody of his size, you've got to think like this guy is already like an NBA level physical specimen. He doesn't have the most refined handle, although it is impressive for his size. He does have uh, good ball handling abilities and he's not the most skilled uh, post player. He's not the finished article just yet. He's very reliant on his left hand, though not to the same extent as RJ Barrett. He might find himself facing a wall of two or three help defenders, much like Giannis Antetokounmpo did against uh, the Toronto Raptors in this year's Eastern Conference Finals. But even if that happens, uh, Zion has very good court vision and he's a very capable passer when he's double teamed. There are there were a couple of possessions against Michigan State where he'd jump into the air, get stuck, didn't really know what to do. So look, the, the guy's game is not in any way perfect. Um, but once he refines his ball handling ability and uses that natural passing ability that he's got, he's going to be an absolute nightmare to defend. He has a knack for offensive rebounds. uh, And just because he's just so big and so athletic, even if you box him out, sometimes he can just out jump you and grab the board. He's got great stamina and is, you know, you'll see him, sometimes miss a shot, grab the offensive rebound, miss a shot again, grab a second offensive rebound and he's just able to outwork defenders until he eventually makes the basket or gets fouled and goes to the line. It's pretty safe to say that his shooting touch is not there right now. Although he did hit some threes at Duke, his percentage was not that high. It was uh, around 33-34%, which is not that impressive. Uh, And his free throw shooting wasn't great. He shot that at about 64%, which again, isn't fantastic. But that's not to say that he can't improve. Um, But safe to say, it's going to be a few years until he's dropping threes like LeBron was at Miami. Zion has a ton of defensive potential. He's not the most solid fundamentally, like say DeAndre Hunter, who we talked about earlier. But his pure athleticism can lead to some breathtaking plays on the defensive end of the floor. Even if he gets beaten off the dribble, he's so quick and has such good jumping ability that he's able to get some really impressive chase down blocks, almost like LeBron does. He is quick enough to guard almost every position on the floor. And he reminds me of Draymond Green. And he definitely has potential to he has the physical tools at least to develop into a defender that is as versatile as Draymond Green is. But I get the feeling whenever I'm watching him, 
I'm getting the feeling that this is a guy who is so athletically gifted that on defense at least, he hasn't had to develop as much fundamentally uh, in the same way that a DeAndre Hunter has. Like Sometimes he's undisciplined and he'll gamble for a steal or just over help and get caught out of position. And it really hurt Duke against Michigan State because there were occasions where, or there, there was at least one occasion in the dying seconds of the game where Zion's man was left open under the basket because he had gone, he just wasn't communicating with his teammates. Uh, and that led to a game-winning three in the dying seconds. So look, he's not perfect defensively, but with a guy with a guy that's that physically gifted, you can teach somebody how to defend. You can't teach somebody to be 285 pounds and freakishly athletic. So the guy's going to be a star. There's, there's no need to worry. It seems pretty clear to me and to anybody with a pair of eyes that Zion's physical gifts alone make him a standout prospect. When you add his decent handles, defensive versatility and passing ability, the ceiling is the sky, basically. Now, whether or not he'll, in fact, turn out to be the LeBron James of his generation, it's too early to tell at this stage. He's going to need to become a more refined finisher around the rim, and he's going to need to improve his jump shot quite a lot in order to sort of reach that superstar status. But it is safe to say that Zion's impact in New Orleans will be one of the more exciting parts of next season. So definitely, definitely stay tuned because this guy is going to make some serious waves. Thank you for listening. It's been exciting talking about the future superstars of the NBA and seeing how these guys fit into their respective teams and whether they'll be able to make that next jump to the NBA level will definitely be one of the more exciting parts of next season. And I can't wait to see these guys in action. And until next time, see you later.